You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Last week, we started a teaching on spiritual, on concerning spirituals, right? And last week, we talked about the Holy Ghost. And we established how that we all have the Holy Ghost living inside of us. Is that true? And um, today, we want to take it one step further. Do you understand? So, flip your Bibles open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Are you there? Are you there? Alright, look at this. It says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, take note that the word gifts is in a bracket. Is that true? Who knows what that means? Exactly. It wasn't in the original texts. Alright. The the writers of of the KJV translation put it there to make sense. Of what Paul was saying. Do you understand? It's kind of like how, like if you, if you delete the word gifts, how you read it is now concerning spirituals. This should be S. There should be a plural form. Concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. See, that doesn't make any grammatical sense. What do you mean by spirituals? Do you understand? But I taught you during um, the camp meeting that when Paul says, when Paul uses the phrase or the word spirit, he's referring to one of three things, right? Who remembers? I told you he's either referring to the gifts of men, he's referring to charismatic ministry, or revelation knowledge. You should write. So he's either referring to the gifts of men, or charismatic ministry, or, or charismatic gifts. Then number three, revelation knowledge. Gifts of men, charismatic gifts, revelation knowledge. Gifts of men, charismatic gifts, revelation knowledge. So, for example, Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 8. Look at this. It says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. So, he gave gifts unto men. He tells you what those gifts are. So take us to verse 11. He says, to some he gave apostles, to some prophets, to some evangelists, to some pastors and teachers. Verse 12 says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, till we come come to to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what you have is in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is making reference to these gifts, these men, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, or pastors and teachers, or pastoring teachers. He's making reference to them as spiritual gifts. All right. He's making reference to them as spiritual. So on one hand, when you see Paul use the word gifts, spirituals, is referring to gifts of men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, take me to 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 
he, he said, and God had set some in the church, apostles, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. So here you have him make reference to helps. Do you understand? That's another category of gifts of men. So I said under gifts of men, you can have what we know, what we have called ministry gifts, and you can have what we've called administrative gifts. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, so in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, um, Acts 6, 4, Peter speaking said it's not good for us to um, abandon the word of God. Um, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Next verse. It says, Therefore now select among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. What business? Verse 1 tells us that, um, verse 1, go to verse 1. And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of aggressions against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Daily ministration means the dividing of food. Do you see? Do you see? So Peter now says, well, we can't leave the preaching of the word of God and prayer and be serving tables. So he says, therefore, select amongst you seven men of, of good reports because they need to be of good reports. They must be honest. Some people steal food, you know. They must not steal your food. They can't play politics with food. Praise God. Do you understand? Great. So he says, select amongst you seven men of good report who will, who will put in charge of this business. What business? Seven food. Do you see that? Do you see that? Good. So now you have under um, ministry or gifts of men, you have ministry gifts and you have administrative gifts. Is that true? Good. Um, they talked about how, so you have deacons in this category. You know, those seven men they picked were deacons. You see, um, you have deacons in the category of administrative gifts and all of that. They are gifts to the body of Christ. All right. In Acts chapter four, we have a story about another gift to the body of Christ. His name was Barnabas. You know, they named him Barnabas as uh, meaning son of consolation because he sold everything he had and brought it for the church. That's a gift. You see that? It's an administrative gift. It's a gift of men. It's part of gifts of men. Do you get that now? You see that? So in every local assembly, we have all of those present. You have a pastor. You have um, somebody walking probably in the space of an apostle or a prophet or pastor or teacher or evangelist. You have gifts of men, people who are assisting to do the work. Do you see that? You have gifts of men. You have people who God places to make sure that the work is fluid. What I mean is, God will provide for people to provide for the work. Do you see that? They're gifts of men. I told you that, number two, you can have, when you're talking about spirituals, you can also be making reference to revelation knowledge. All right? This is introduction, so please pay attention. You can also be making reference to revelation knowledge. Is that correct? Good. So, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's start reading from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1. it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustenance our brother. He says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, and all and with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Next verse. It says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, I thank my God always on your behalf. 
for the grace of God, which, for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. So now he's making reference to a grace. What is a grace? A grace is a gift. Do you understand? Some translations will say, for the gift of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. Do you see that? So he's making reference to a particular grace, and there is a semicolon, and the next verse says, that in everything, so he's explaining what grace he was talking about. Is that true? Look at that. So he says, that in everything, you are enriched by him. Now, I've taught you that when you're reading through the scriptures, and you see Paul use phrases like all things, everything, is not a blanket statement. Is that true? So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me does not mean that I can steal through Christ who strengthens me. Do you see that? So all things will be qualified by Paul himself. Do you understand? Praise God. Do you understand? All things will be qualified by Paul himself. So um, prior to saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he said I, I, I know how to abase. That's I know how to be hungry. And I know how to abound. I know how to have plenty. He said I have learned the secrets. In all things, I can do all things. What is all things? Abase and abound. Do you see that? Great. So when he says that in everything you are enriched in him or enriched by him, he explains himself. He says, in all utterance and in all knowledge. So that grace or the gift that he was making reference to in the previous verse was what? Utterance and... Utterance and... Do you see that? Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift. Hold on. When he says, so that you come behind in no gift, what gift is he making reference to? And knowledge. Do you see? Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. He says, who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Next verse. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Do you see why, do you see why he started by saying there's a gift that God has given to you, that all chance and knowledge has been given to you? He said all of that to get here so that he would say, see, listen, all of you should say the same thing. Do you understand? If you've all been enriched in utterance and knowledge, speak the same thing. Praise God. So he says that you all speak the same thing and that that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So here you see Paul make reference to revelation knowledge as the gift of God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. But a third category in Paul's writings when he's making reference to spiritual gifts is what we call charisma. Charisma. Charisma because that's the Greek word, by the way, for gifts. Charisma. And that's where you now have the three um, classifications. You have... Um, from First Corinthians 12, from verse 4 to 10, it says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Why, if I let's start from verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. First of all, listen. When Paul says, I would not have you ignorant, this word ignorant in the Greek is the word idiotis, I-D-I-O-T-E-S. 
you know, the world where you get idiots from. And it's not an insult. When Paul says, I will not have you ignorant, he means I will not have you willfully ignorant. You know what I mean? Some people are willfully ignorant about things. Some people have seen it done. They've heard that it's preached. They've seen many, many, many instances of the same thing done, but they refuse to inquire. Willfully ignorant. Me, Asha, I don't want to know. The one I know is this. Have you met people like that? Paul says, concerning spirituals, I will not have you willfully ignorant. Next verse. He now says, you know that you were Gentiles, carried away onto these dumb idols, even as you were led. I hope you know this is making reference to us. We are Gentiles. Yes, Gentiles are everybody that's not Jewish. Praise God. Good. So we were Gentiles, carried away by dumb idols, even as we were led in disobedience. Next verse. He now says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. Listen, I I taught you this during the camp meeting, and I explained to you that um, when the Bible says no man speaking by... Why Paul made this statement is to tell you this. When you see a Christian... Do something spectacular. Walk in a gift of the Spirit. It is proof that he has the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? And the fact that he has the Holy Ghost means that you can believe that what he's doing is real. Praise God. A lot of people will say things like, there are so many fake pastors out there. It's very true. It's very, very true. Some people say that there are pastors who use jazz, you know, black magic, demonic powers to do these things. It's very true. But Paul establishes a fact before he starts teaching us about spiritual gifts. He says, no man speaking by the Spirit of God can call Jesus accursed. And no man can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. So if you've got the Holy Ghost, you will say Jesus is Lord. And if you agree that Jesus is Lord, I have no reason to fault what you are doing until I find contrary proof. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? So there has been a a previous mindset or mentality in the body of Christ leading up to now. And that mentality is that um, there are people who are doing jazz and you can't trust. In fact, don't trust these men of God because you don't know who is real and who is fake. And so people become skeptical about things of the Spirit. And the devil in that way hinders us from doing the things that God has deposited in us for us to do. Do you get what I'm saying? Because now you see somebody pray for a sick person and like, only God knows where this power is coming from. I remember a couple of, not even, a couple of months ago, um, I prayed for somebody. He was healed. He went home, told his mom that I prayed for him. He was healed. And the mom said, hmm, be careful, though. You don't know where his power is coming from. You see, that's a very dangerous position to take. I know you're trying to be very careful, but here's the thing. You are hindering yourself from doing the same things. God did not give those gifts, or God did not give us the Holy Ghost so that the pastors will work the miracles. He gave it to every one of us. But when you take that stance of, hmm, all these people, you don't know where that power is coming from, you have automatically told your mind that, number one, it is for a select group of people. 
Number two, even amongst those select group of people, you can't trust them. So you've disqualified yourself. But no man speaking by the Spirit can call Jesus accursed. And no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Spirit. So do you believe that Jesus is Lord? You've got the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that? You have the Holy Ghost. And you know what that means? You can do the same things too. Praise God. All right, next verse. Now, there are diversities of gifts, charisma, but the same spirit. You see why he said the same spirit? Because if, if I see you speak with tongues, but I know that there's such a thing as interpretation of tongues, I know you spoke with tongues by the spirit, which means by the same spirit I will interpret. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? God has bonded us by spirit. He has drawn a line. Through the Christian family. And that line is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is is the conveyor of everything that God has for us. And he conveys it to every one of us. Praise God. So now there are diversities of gifts. But the same spirit. Different administrations but the same Lord. Next verse. He says, and there are diversities of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Verse 7. Why did he give us this gift? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Listen, there are three words that govern how the gifts of the Spirit should be used in a local assembly and anywhere. Those three words are edification, exhortation, and comfort. Edification, exhortation, and comforts, Paul uses those words in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. They are given for edification, for exhortation, and comfort. They are given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. They are given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Do you understand? Do you have that? Now listen, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14... Paul says, he's giving, he's giving an itinerary, not itinerary, like a guideline for how we prophesy in a local assembly. And he says, well, if somebody wants to prophesy and somebody else is already prophesying, you sit down, you keep quiet till that person is done. Do you see? That's what he says. And he says, because the spirit of the prophet is subject to who? Which means that that prophecy can be abused. Is that true? Is that true? It means it can be abused. If the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, it means it can be abused. I taught you last week that in the Holy Ghost is displayed the willingness and ability of God. Is that true? And he has given us that willingness and ability. So, you see, the great commission is go out and heal the sick. Not go out and pray for me to heal the sick. He says, you go do the healing. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand? Why? Because you have the Holy Ghost. So it can be abused. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? And it was abused a couple of times in the Bible too. You know, we're not talking about the working of miracles today, but we'll talk about that I think like two Sundays from now. But in the book of Acts, in the early stages of the book of Acts, you have instances where believers, people like Peter, 
took advantage of that power, the ability of God that was on their inside, and declared judgment on situations. A classic example is Ananias and Sapphira. A lot of people say it's God that killed Ananias and Sapphira. I hope you know it's not God. It was Peter in his fullness and capacity. And it was in his attitude to do so. Who cut off the soldier's ear? Who asked for um, Jesus Christ to call thunder and fire upon a city? Peter, he was in his attitude to do so. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) And so, Sapphira, you might not understand. When you read the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you might be confused until you read between the lines. So Sapphira, after her husband has died, came to lie her own lie. And then she has finished telling the lie. And Peter says, why have you chosen to lie? And he says, the body, the, the legs of the men that carried your husband out of here, they are the door. They will carry you too. And immediately he said, she fell down and died. Who killed her? <laughs> Praise the Lord. God does not kill believers. Do you understand that? God doesn't kill, he doesn't kill believers. No, he doesn't do that. Even God does not kill witches and wizards. Do you know? He doesn't. So what happens when you pray and a witch dies? It's one of two things. Either you killed her. (laughs) Or you presented the power of God and she went against it. And killed herself. (laughs) Think about it. It's like there's a high tension wire. And I go with my normal mind. And I touch. Is it the wire that killed me? I killed myself. (laughs) Praise God. God doesn't kill witches and wizards. God, God is not an assassin. Don't. <laughs> Don't ask that prayer. Ah, Uluwa, Uluwa. You know, you know. Yeah, now pray for fire to fall on them. It doesn't work like that. But truth be told, listen. Can you declare judgment against witches and wizards? Yes, oh. Yes, now. You have the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got the power of God in you. Listen, the power that God will use to declare judgment against those witches and wizards is the Holy Ghost. It's the same power that you have. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you can. You can. I told you we read the story of Paul and um, Elimas last week where Paul was preaching to a consul and Elimas was standing against Paul. Paul was preaching to Sergio Paulus. And Elimas was trying to convince the guy not to receive the gospel. And Paul said, because you are stubborn, you'll be blind for a while. It was Paul that declared the judgment of God on that guy. Do you see? And the guy became blind for a while. <laughs> I like that kind. You are blind small. <laughs> so are you, were you born blind? No. Will you be blind forever? No, not really. It's like two weeks blindness. <laughs> Just taste it, you know. Since you want this man to stay in the blindness that the God of this world has blinded him with, you to taste it small so that you will see. (laughs) Praise God. But remember that the gifts of the Holy Ghost are given for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. Why I said, the reason why I started by telling you is that they can be abused is this. A lot of people abuse it in our day and time. You have people, you go to church, a pastor by the Spirit knows the things that you did wrong. Do you see? But the gifts of the Spirit are given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. So, 
to edify, the pastor should call you privately and say, brother, I know you did this. Don't do it again. <laughs> do you understand? Or he should exhort you. You've got the Holy Ghost in you. You have power to live above sin. It should bring you comfort that you're not an addict to this thing. Do you understand? But they abuse it. And then they stand and say, those of you fornicate, brother James, stand up. <laughs> see, that's wrong. That's abuse. It can be abused. Do you see? It can be abused. It can be abused. So Paul says that the Spirit is given... All right. Okay, this is, this is the First Corinthians chapter 14. It says, but he that prophesied unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. You see that? That's the point of prophecy. That's the point of the gifts of the Spirit. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. First Corinthians 14, 3. Let's go back to First Corinthians 12, 7. First Corinthians 12, 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Put this verse up in the NIV or HCSB or some other modern translation. It says, now... Each of the, um, each one of the manifestation. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Do you understand? For the common good. So today, listen. Let this verse be the underlying guideline for every of our teachings going forward on the gifts of the Spirit. They are given for the common good. And listen, not just charismata, you know, spirituals, but also the other ones. Revelation knowledge is given for the common, come on, say it as loud as you can, it's given for the common. Have you met those people who oppress other people because they know? That's not the common good, though. You don't laugh at somebody who doesn't know because you know. That's not the common good. Do you understand what I'm saying? What do you do? You teach. That's the common good. Praise the Lord. This can be abused. I know a man of God. That's why, listen, that's why as a Christian, don't see things in anger. Don't see, especially after prayer. I'm serious. Because that time of prayer is a time of heightened sensitivity to the things of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't see things. I know a man of God, he was preaching, his microphone went off, he was angry with his technical career, and he said, all of you will die. In one week, they died. One week. <laughs> Praise God. Another, another man, another man, he came up, you know, don't say, don't, you know, we have this habit of saying the person that stole the person that stole my this thing. If you don't return it, shock one, this one. And that. Be careful. Say, so let us pray. The people were still gallivanting. So close your eyes, let us pray. They were still, you know how people behave now. When you say, let us pray, they're still talking in the crowd. So he finished praying. He said, in Jesus' name, we've prayed. Let all open eyes be shut and all closed eyes be opened. Everybody with their eyes open went blind. <laughs> There's power and it was abused. <laughs> Praise God. So don't be quick to say things in anger. Somebody stole your thing. Can't we curse him? You are abusing the power of God. 
That's exactly what um, the um, sons of thunder, <laughs> they came out of that city, James and John, and then they said to Jesus, let us call down fire. And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you are of. Because two things, if you call down fire, it will come. But that's not the Holy Ghost that you have. Praise the Lord. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Praise Jesus. You want to form that you are a man of God. So you come here, you are preaching, then you are now switching to tongues. You want to preach in other tongues. Who are you helping? Praise the Lord. Who are you really helping? Listen, there's tongues and there's interpretation. And we're going to do that here today. Amen? There's tongues and there's interpretation. It works. It works. It's a navigation, navigation system that God has given to us. Do you understand what I'm saying? But they must be done for the common good. Amen? In fact, that is why 1 Corinthians 12 is followed with 1 Corinthians 13. You know what is in 1 Corinthians 13? It's teaching on love. And it starts with, if, my, if I give my body to be born, but I have not love, I've wasted it. If I speak with tongues of men, tongues of angels, and I have love, he said you are, a, you are like a loud sounding cymbal. You know what cymbals are? Those things, those metal ones, but just they're like plates that fell on the floor. <laughs> Praise God. All right, so he says, First Corinthians 12, he says, the gifts of the Spirit are given to one to profit with all. That means they are given for the profiting of the common good. Everyone should profit from it. Everyone should profit from the things of the Spirit. In a local assembly, when the Holy Ghost is moving, everybody should profit from it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And remember, the guideline is that they are given for edification, for exhortation, and for... Praise Jesus. So now that we've established the basis, that was introduction. Now that we've established the introduction, let's talk about utterance gifts. Now, okay, okay, for those of you that don't know, um, in 1 Corinthians, okay, go, go forward, verse 8. It says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Next verse. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. Next verse. It says, to another, the walking of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Next verse. It says, but all these walketh that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So, what you have um, is nine distinct gifts or workings of the Spirit. Listen, listen to me. The gift of the Spirit is the Holy Ghost. Listen. So, working of miracles is not as it were a gift of the Spirit. It's a working of the gifts. Do you understand? The gift that you have is the Holy Ghost. It's inside you. Do you understand? Now, when you work miracles, you did it by... So he says, all this worketh that one and the self-same spirits. So all those things are works of the spirits. That's why he says there are diverse gifts, but the same spirits. Diverse administrations, but the same Lord. Diverse operations, but the same spirit that worketh all in all. 
So you do not have the gift of healing. You can heal by the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? You do not have the gift of tongues. You speak in tongues by the Holy Ghost. You do not have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Like, uh, you know, there was, there's, there's a time there was a question in the body of Christ. How many gifts do you operate with? He so I operate with seven out of nine. No, you've missed it. The idea is this. Listen, the idea is this. By the Holy Ghost, we can do all nine of them. And even more. For example, we see visions. There's no classification for visions right there. You understand? But we do that by the Spirit. Praise God. Praise the Lord. So, a couple of people have classified them or grouped them into three. And so we're going to work with those groupings, those classifications, the three of them. Today we'll take one, next week we'll take another, the upper week we'll take one more. All right. The first group, according to, I think, Lester Sumrall, is you have utterance gifts. Utterance gifts. Under utterance gifts, you have tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. All right. Then you have revelation gifts. Under revelation gifts, you have the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Then you have the third category. You have the power gifts. The power gifts. You have the gift of healing. Actually, the gift of healings or gifts of healing. It's always pluralized. Take us to 1 Corinthians 12, 10. I think it's in verse 10 or verse 9. 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Okay. Okay, look at that. He says, to another faith by the same spirit, and to another the gifts of healing. Um, when it comes to healing, some people put it as gift of healings. Others put it as gifts of healings. But of healing was always pluralized. And there's a reason why. The reason is it works in diverse ways. The way you heal a lame man is not the same way you heal a blind man. It's not the same way you heal... Um, they're different things. Because they're different diseases, they're different healings. Do you understand? Yeah. So you have gifts of healing, under power gifts, and then you have the gift of faith. So I'll take it again from the beginning. Under utterance gifts, you have tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. Under revelation gifts, you have word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. And under power gifts, you've got the gifts of healing, working of miracles. Did I tell you that one? Working of miracles and the gift of faith. Gift of healing, working of miracles, gift of faith. Praise God. So today, we want to take utterance gifts. Don't worry, we'll be done with the teaching in about 20 minutes. And then we practice what we teach. You see, because you need to practice it. We can't teach you spiritual gifts by theory. Do you understand? You need to practice it. Just like I can't teach you prayer by theory. You must pray. Do you understand? So it's line upon line, precept upon precepts. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Are you with me? All right, all right, gifts. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try as much as possible to clarify confusions about utterance gifts. There's no systematic teaching for utterance gifts. Or it's just... What it is, what it is, what it isn't, and then we practice. Do you understand? First of all, these gifts are classified in their mode of communication. Do you understand? In their mode of oppression. 
Utterance gifts are gifts that are uttered. Do you see? Revelation gifts are gifts that are revealed. And power gifts are gifts that work. Do you understand? They are power. Do you understand what I'm saying? Good. So, the first thing you need to know about utterance gifts is that the seat of utterance gifts is on the tongue. Do you understand? You need to write these things down because they will help you. The seat of utterance gifts is on the tongue. What I mean by that is this. You know, when you tell people, okay, speak in tongues, you know they easily just start they burst into tongues. Is that true? But when you tell them to interpret, they expect to receive something in their minds first before they interpret. Is that true? But when I asked you to speak in tongues, you didn't receive anything in your mind. Did you think of the first few syllables? So I'll start with bad and enter. I said car yesterday. So today. That was not how you did it. You just spoke. Is that correct? It's exactly the same way interpretation of tongues works. You understand? The words will form at the tip of your tongue. Listen. Listen. Many times this is how it happens. So you speak in tongues, you speak in tongues, you've spoken for a while. And then as you're speaking in tongues, there's a general concept that comes to mind. Maybe you're speaking in tongues and God tells you, he calls somebody's name. Okay, let me give you an example with myself. So um, I was in a meeting, it was a believer's meeting, and then I spoke with tongues. You know, because I was delivering a message to the group. You see, 1 Corinthians 14 gives us rules. When you're speaking with tongues as a message to the group, you must interpret. It's different from when you're speaking in tongues as prayer. You see, when I'm praying on my own, I'm praying to God. But when I say, listen, and I start speaking with tongues, I'm delivering the message to you. I must interpret. Do you see that? If I'm not going to interpret, I should not tell you to listen to me speaking in tongues. Why? Because edification, exhortation, and comfort. Do you see that? So I'm speaking in tongues in this group, and then I was delivering a message in other tongues, and then finished delivering the message in other tongues, and I was going to interpret. But the only word that was reoccurring while I was talking in other tongues was the word two. Do you understand? Just two. So I was like, okay. So two times, as I said with, so two, two, two times the Lord has told you, two times, and then the rest of it, it was like the words were forming, I was speaking faster than I could think what I was saying. Do you understand? How many of you have this kind of experience before? Yeah. That's how interpretation of tongues works. It's at the tip of your tongue. So when we ask you to interpret tongues, you will. When we ask you to do so today, don't say, ah, I'm not hearing anything. No, you won't hear anything. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's an utterance gift. It's exactly the same way prophecy works. Exactly the same way prophecy works. What God does is he gives you a direction that you should go in that he lets you lose. Do you understand? So prophecy, for example, um, you're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And you just have the general idea that you want to prophesy about church. So you say, so this is what God is saying about the church. The moment you start, the rest will flow. You just have to have faith that that's going to happen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's the way it works. I'm, I'm serious, though. I'm serious. I'm serious. 
I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. So, the first thing that you need to know is that the seat of utterance gifts is at the tongue. So, you would usually, you have to speak. You can't prophesy in your mind. So, you're closing your eyes. What are you doing? I'm prophesying. You can't do that. You prophesy out loud. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're, you can't speak in tongues in your mind. Yes, you can't do that. A lot of people try to do it. So, yeah, you're, I've, I've seen people, it's a prayer session. Then you're praying. I, I don't like when that happens. Say, we're praying for one hour. Say, okay. The first 10 minutes, they're gingered. Yay! Yeah, yeah, bah! And then 10 minutes have elapsed. The strength that they did not conserve at the beginning has finished. They'll not start opening their notes and nod in their heads. If that is you, catch your sob now and stop. <laughs> Praise God. You don't speak in tongues in your mind. You do it out loud. It's an utterance gift. You understand? You speak in tongues out loud. There's no instance in the Bible where they were speaking in tongues in their mind. Because if they spoke in tongues in their mind, who know they spoke in tongues? <laughs> Can you pray in your mind? Yes, in your understanding. But you see, you can't pray in other tongues in your mind. You can't do that. You've got to speak out loud. But the combination of tongues and interpretation of tongues is equal to prophecy. Paul gives us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's start from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14 from verse 1. It says, but he... that Okay, come on now. Verse 1. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gift, but rather that ye may prophesy. Next verse. He says, but for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue... Speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. This word mysteries does not mean he's speaking deep things. It means he's speaking things that we don't know. Do you understand? Yeah, it's not that, oh, there are mysteries in the realm of the spirit. And as you speak in tongues, you activate or unlock those mysteries. That's not true. In the New Testament, nothing is a mystery anymore. Thank God for that. In the New Testament, nothing is a mystery anymore. Everything is revealed in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everything is revealed in Christ. In the New Testament, nothing is, in the, is, nothing is a mystery anymore. If you're confused, read 2 Corinthians chapter 3 clearly. He says, therefore now we speak with boldness and plainness of speech. Not like Moses who used the veil to cover his face so that the people will not see the end to what, to, will not see the end to what was coming to an end. But now we speak with boldness and plainness of speech. Do you understand that? Nothing is a mystery anymore. Praise God. So when he says, how be it in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. What he's saying is that in the spirit, he's speaking things that we don't understand. In fact, he explains it. Next verse. He says, but he, okay, but he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So, why did he say, rather that ye may prophesy, because edification, exhortation, and... It's not that prophecy is the best gift. No. Why is he saying you will prophe- that he rather that you prophesy? Because in prophesying, it is easier to edify everyone. It's easier to exhort everyone and comfort everyone. Praise God. Next verse. 
He says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. You see, because speaking in tongues on its own, in and of itself, builds you up. You understand? But he that prophesieth edifieth who? The spirit of the gift of the spirit are given to one to profit how many? With all. The common good. Do you see that? All right. Um, edifieth the church. Next verse. He says, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh with the tongues, except he interprets that the church may receive edifying. So, one who speaks with tongues and interprets is, one, is equal to one who... So, tongues and interpretation is equal to prophecy. Do you understand? So, the two ways you can prophesy is by just prophesying or speaking in tongues and interpreting it. Praise God. So, um, and listen, you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. Praise God. Yes, I, I just wrote down a number of things that I wanted to address before we practice. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. In fact, the office of a prophet is not about prophesying. At least not in the New Testament. Praise Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11. Are you there? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Next verse, everybody read as loud as you can. Want to go. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Hold it in this verse. So, what is the work of the apostle? Perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Is that true? What is the work of the prophets? Perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Same thing with evangelists. Same thing with teachers, pastors and teachers. Do you understand that? So the fivefold ministry have the same work. Praise God. So it doesn't take a prophet in the New Testament to prophesy. Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Joel 2.28. Look at this. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall... Come on. And your sons and your daughters shall... Has he poured out that spirit on all flesh? So how many people should prophesy? All. Praise Jesus. So in the New Testament, prophecy is not about being a prophet. And being a prophet is not about prophesying. Everyone can prophesy. You see, because in the Old Testament, they, de- they depended on one man to reveal the counsel of God. It was that man upon whom the Spirit rested. But guess what? In the New Testament, the Holy Ghost lives in every one of us. So we don't depend on somebody else to declare the counsel of God. We just search within and we find it. You know why? We've got the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, prophets, prophecy is not, um, is, not, is not for prophets alone. And that you prophesy does not make you a prophet. I've seen people who now add appendages to their names. I am prophet so, so, so. Have you seen people who answer phone calls like that? Hello, my name is Doctor. Is Doctor your name? <laughs> my name is Prophet Jatalakuz. Is Prophet your name? <laughs> Come on now. All right. 
because they prophesy or because they see visions. No, 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 no. It's different. It's different. Praise the Lord. So in the New Testament, every single one of us is to prophesy. Every one of us will speak with tongues. Are you getting what I'm saying? Every one of us, and please make no mistake, every Christian should speak with tongues. Every Christian. Not some, it's not for some select few. Mark 16, 17. Look at this. It says, and this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. How many people will speak with new tongues? Everyone that believes. Do you see that? So, a, listen. A product of salvation is speaking in tongues. Now, if a person does not speak in tongues, will he go to hellfire? No. By all means, not. No. But it's like having a mobile device that was built for calling and texting and going online. But all you do with that mobile device is call and text. Kind of like what your parents do. <laughs> do you understand? We don't, you're not fully maximizing the gifts that have been given to you. So it is true that if you don't speak with tongues, you won't go to hell. But if you are saved, you should speak with tongues. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Acts chapter 2. Let's start reading from verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. Next verse. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Next verse. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. Next verse. Everybody read this verse together. One, two, go. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How many people were filled with the Holy Ghost? All of them. I hope you know Mary was in the upper room with them. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Do you understand? So we have a sect of people, a sect of a, a denomination of Christianity in Nigeria and in the world generally that doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. Do you understand? And one of their heroes of faith is Mary. Well, Mary spoke with tongues. <laughs> Do you see that? She did speak with tongues, so you ought to, too. If you really honor her, you ought to. Praise God. So every believer should speak with tongues. And it's not done away with. It's not passed away. It's something that we still have in here and now. Okay, let's continue. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Let's go back to Acts 2, 4. Read, let's move to verse 5. And, they, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Next verse. Now, when this was noise that brought, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And so some people argue that when they were speaking with tongues, they were speaking in people's languages. Have you heard that argument before? So speaking in tongues is speaking in a language that you did not know before. So I can be speaking in tongues, but what I'm actually speaking is French or Chinese. But have you ever noticed that those arguments never include Yoruba or, or any other Nigerian language? It's always Spanish, Chinese, French. That's just that's a silly joke. But then, notice that it says every man heard them speak in his own language. 
Not that they were speaking in those people's languages, but they heard them speaking in their language. Do you understand what I'm saying? In fact, here's another way to counter that argument. Next verse. And they were all amazed and this, this, this. Are they not all which speak Galileans? Next verse. And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Next verse. Parthians and all these people. Next verse. (laughs) And more people. Next verse. (laughs) Even more people. But look at this. It says, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were not just saying good morning or hi. Or let's go, let, let's go and party tonight. They were not just saying any random thing in other tongues. They were declaring the wonderful works of God. Is that true? Now, next verse. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Next verse. Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Now, listen. If somebody, like Prince Will now, speaks a lot of French, he went to Benin Republic and he will not let us rest. If, if Prince Will comes to me and speaks French to me, would I assume he's drunk? Somebody walks up to you and starts speaking Spanish and you're like, ah, guy, you must have had too much to drink. If it's like that, I will go and apply to the French embassy and I will drink well before I go. Then go there and speak fluent French. Do you understand? People don't assume you are drunk, except you are acting drunk. Do you understand? Which means, and listen, the previous verse says that people were marveled. Do you understand? Why were they marveled? Do you see somebody speaking your language? Or you see somebody else speaking, and you are so marveled, like... (gasps) (laughs) Your response would be, guy, you don't speak French, well, that's cool, that's good. But not, hey, this is a miracle. No! You know, people don't typically respond that way to these things. They were marveled because a miracle was unfolding before their eyes. These men were speaking gibberish, but they had their own tongues. Do you understand? Do you understand? And listen, there were 120 of them in that upper room. Is that true? They could not have possibly covered every language represented in that crowd. If each of them, so Peter and I said, I will take French, you take Spanish. You take Igbo, you take Yoruba. If that was what they were doing, they could not have possibly covered every language. There were people from every corner of the earth. Is that correct? So what happened? A Frenchman, a Spanishman, an Igbo man who hear Peter speaking. And what are they hearing? In their language, they hear Peter speaking and declaring the goodness of God. That was the miracle. Do you understand? So speaking in tongues is not speaking in a known language. In fact, Paul calls it diverse tongues, unknown languages. He says, listen, listen to this. He says, when you speak with other tongues, your understanding is unfruitful. Is that correct? If I was speaking in French and a Frenchman walks in, will his understanding be unfruitful? He will understand what I'm saying now. So at least somebody there will understand what I'm saying. So it just disqualifies the system of thoughts that if you're speaking in tongues, you have to speak in a language that you understand or a language, at least a language that exists. That doesn't make sense. At least not from the Bible. Do you understand? All right. So I've taught you how tongues and interpretation works, right? It's at the tip of the tongue. Don't think too much. 